What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Boss and Rudes. I'm your man, Rudes, here with Boss and our special guest, Nick Canzanari. Cans, welcome back. Recurring guest. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, looking forward to the show. Uh, this is what I needed, you know, uh, a good pick-me-up for the day. It's been hectic and, and craziness here at Casa de Cans. This is a good, good, you know pick me up i needed it and okay. as always we are glad to bring you a radio paul sports the student voice for Apollo demons production uh and i actually am really interested in in what was happening in casa de cans today i'm i'm intrigued <laughs> well we we're just we're we're painting the bathroom the living room the parent my parents room we're getting new hardwood floors, just people coming in and out. This is my room. It's been converted into a storage unit. Bad, bad podcasting. You guys can't see it, but just filled to the brim here, you know, but, you know, we're getting by. We're getting by hopping on a podcast to clear my head so I don't got to think about, you know, all these crazy things happening. Yeah, and you know, stay safe because I really hope the dudes coming into your house are being careful. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There was a guy. He was, I don't know, something with painting. But I saw. I I believe he was wearing a mask. I can't say for sure because, in all honesty, I was just in my room for the entire day, so I didn't see him. But I was told he was masked up, so that's good. Yeah, that's good, dude, because uh, actually I was having some stuff done, like window work done, and the dude took his mask off when he was in my room, and I was like, oh, no. hold on a minute, hold on a minute, put the mask back on. Did you actually? We're going to have issues. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that exactly, that that's more for comedic effect, but I was like, all right, dude, put your mask back on, then we can talk. Like, put the mask back on, then we'll talk. But if yeah. you're opening your mouth with the mask off, there's going to be issues. <laughs> man but yeah we we do have something planned for today uh and not just talking about casa de cans yeah, uh, home renovations but look i mean if we're gonna be honest everybody wants to know the tea in casa de casa de cans but we'll stick to sports today we're just gonna shut up and dribble, all right, guys. We, you guys, stick to sports here on Boston Roots. Hell yeah! All right, so uh, I think Rudy and me were having a discussion last week or earlier this week about about commentators, um, and and we decided that when we have one of those types of discussions, it obviously is gonna make its way to Boston Roots. So today we've got cans on. Uh, and uh, we want to discuss some commentators. So let's hear some of your opinions. Well, why don't we start off with Cans, your favorite commentators, and then we'll just kind of let the conversation steer from there. So please tell us, for God's All sake, right. please tell us your favorite commentator, and let me tell you why. <laughs> well, okay. Can I start off? Can I give a little little soliloquy to start? I love I'm very happy that I got to come on this episode because I love play-by-play guys commentators as a child when I would play like Madden or sports video games I would mute the TV and I would do my own play-by-play 
I loved it. Um, but number one, uh, and a little, little sentimental value here for me, uh, too, is one Joe Buck, lead play-by-play man on Fox, uh, Super Bowls. He's the voice of the World Series since, I believe, 2000, even earlier, I think. Uh, Joe Buck, I have an ornament of him that goes on my Christmas tree. Uh, he Wait. was there. What, <laughs> Actually? What? Yeah. Yeah. I have a that's, Joe Buck ornament. That's an actual thing. Yeah. hundred percent hand of God. I have every year. There is a Joe Buck ornament that goes up on my tree because he is the man. He is. Okay. Hold on. Hold he's on. the goat. Yeah. Hold up. First off, um, uh, Nick out. <laughs> I think the world needs to know this. So, um, Check Twitter in like five minutes. Oh, boy. I, I'm, I'm I can't, up right now. I can't believe that you have told me to my face that not only is Joe Buck the GOAT, but Joe Buck has a reserve spot on the Kanzanari family tree during Christmas time. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and in all honesty, I mean, it started probably – 2006 that was kind of the first year I really started following sports you know in depth and I just remember for some reason I mean maybe because the Bears were good but he was uh he was doing a lot of Bears games uh so I would always hear him a lot and I just like hey I like this guy you know I like the sound of his voice he sounds like a stand-up guy uh and I just you know gravitated to him towards him and I've been a fan ever since. Called Game 7 of the Cubs uh, Indians World Series. That was like a dream come true for me. Hopefully one day he will call a Bears Super Bowl. And then, you know, I can die happy. <laughs> I, I am interested, though. I would like to hear why you guys are just so vehemently opposed to him. Because I think I know one of the reasons you'll give and I, I have a counter response for it. I, I will say Joe Buck has had some good calls. I mean, his, uh, his call against, uh, sorry, uh, his call uh, for game seven, it was a great call. You know what I mean? And, and it's one of those things that's going to be repeatedly shown and heard for years, especially until, the Cubs take another 108 years to win another World Series. And you um, watch your mouth. It's not like the Dodgers have been doing any winning lately. You guys losing the – you lose every – We got time. cheated. We got cheated. We got cheated. Okay. Yeah, that can't be your excuse every time, all right? Okay. I would love to have seen your reaction if the Bulls got screwed by some team in the NBA championship series and – I would have loved to to heard you bicker about that for the next 20 years. <laughs> but anyways, I will say that he's had some good calls, but I just think he's so bland. He's so, like, lifeless. He just sounds super, like, meh. And I don't know. A boss takeover. Yeah, no, I mean, look, my, my reasons are pretty similar to what, to what Rudy said. I do find him to be a kind of boring. And, and I think it's the – it's also, like, the byproduct of uh, – him also doing football and it might be a little bit of bias from me because I just hate 
every football announcer. I just think they sound so like lifeless and out of it. Um, and then when you compare it with like, you'll see like a random high school guy doing it where there's like a lot of passion in it. And I just never find that in football. And I think that makes me just hate all these football announcers uh, just by default. Uh, the fact that he has ties to the Cardinals oh. is also a disqualifier for me. Um, um, anybody who's who's in any way associated with the Cardinals, I, I don't really care about. A big reason why I hated that Sosa doc, because it was a Mark McGuire doc and not a Sosa doc. And, and that was a little bit annoying, too. But, yeah, I think it's just like that, the, the boringness of his voice. Yeah, I mean – I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, every game he does is is perfect or whatever. I think if you look back at the uh, David Tyree helmet catch that he did uh, in that Super Bowl, I mean, that's kind of boring in my opinion, honestly. Like, it's not, you know, anything spectacular. So I, I can see where you're coming with that, where sometimes, occasionally, he can sound a bit, you know, bland or, or boring. So I I, I can understand that. No, 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 no. Uh, I would argue that consistently he's boring. Okay, no. Consistently. No, just not boring. consistently. I mean, uh, like I said, he's had some really great calls. And, and you know, one of, my, one, of my, one of my favorite commentators that I have right here is, uh, you might know him, uh, Nick Canzanari. That guy just brings the excitement <laughs> every time he steps in the booth. And, you know, it's just shades of – you know, he, he brings a little bit of Vince Scully in him. He's got a little bit of Mark Jackson. He's got a touch of Joe Buck. But, you know what I mean, he, he has everything. And that's something that Joe Buck just doesn't have. He doesn't have that vocabulary to say vehemently or whatever the hell you just said to me earlier today. Joe Buck doesn't have that vocabulary. Well, he doesn't have that excitement. I will say his analysis is, is sometimes really good. Yeah. Especially in baseball. His analysis is really good in baseball. And, and it's better for me, too, because really I'm not, like, the best in, in terms of baseball, like, all the strategy and everything. But um, I do like his analysis. But it doesn't distract from, from you know, how boring he sounds. Oh, man. Look, I mean, the guy does football baseball he uh he did do golf i never watched i'm not a big golf watcher though so i never heard him do golf but you know if it's if it's the mid-october sunday he's doing a football game then he's gonna go do a baseball game the man is logging travel miles he's tired you know sometimes he needs to just you know, he can't bring the, his full energy because he's just got so much on his plate because he's so good that he's just doing multiple sports. You know, I mean, cut, cut him some slack, guys. I mean, I, I feel like we've given him enough credit. I mean, he's a good commentator, and he obviously wouldn't have gotten the jobs at Fox that he has had if he didn't have talent. Sure, yeah, maybe he's a little tired. Uh, ah, la-di-da. <laughs> has he ever had to call – four games in a row during the Big East tournament? <laughs> I don't think so, okay? You ever Dad. been at Wintrust from 8 in the morning to 10 p.m.? You don't hear me complaining. But you know who, I... does, bring, who does bring the hustle is the Hustle Award winner, Nick Canzanari. So, I mean, 
realistically, you, you give me those odds, I'm taking cans 10 times out of 10. I think we've come to the conclusion that Nick Cans is a better all-around commentator than Joe Buck. And I would have to disagree with that statement. I've spoken, I've spoken to Nick Cans, and he just cannot accept that, uh, that praise from you guys. Well, then that brings us to the next part. Do you have a least favorite commentator, Cans? If Joe Buck is your number one, the guy, and he's my number one opposite, then who's your number one opposite? Uh, I'm trying to think. Honestly, off the top of my head, I really can't think of one. I don't – I mean, I don't love every single, you know, uh, guy that I hear, but I find myself liking a lot of them. I'm trying to think. Do you, Abbas, do you have one? Maybe if you say one, maybe that'll jog my memory. Well, like, you know, I'm in the same boat as Cans here. A lot of the times my, my like, favorite, my, my, or, like, when I'm thinking about commentators, I feel like my bias for the team plays a major role in who I like and who I don't like. Probably, yeah. Uh, And I think it's it's more of a, a chance that I'll really like a commentating crew than not like them. Like, for instance, I love the Nets crew, uh, Ian Eagle and, and Sarah Kustok. I think both of the Ian Eagle is amazing. I mean, he does everything. Like, you'll see him do some yeah. some some basketball, a little bit of baseball, some football. Uh, Kustok's also really good. So I love that team. Um, I'm, I'm not a you know, I'm not a big fan of the Knicks color announcer. Um, I can't remember who it is. It's some it's it's some Hall of Fame player. I always forget who it is. But um it Cl- just is seems that like, Clyde Frazier. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just seems like he has a Thesaurus open in front of him. And it just seems too forced, man. Too forced. Like I get I get like having different words and whatnot, but like I mean, sometimes I'm like, you totally made that word up. That's not a real word. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I honestly, I can't think of really one. I'm, I'm shocked at myself, but I think part of the reason is like guys who people typically like rip online, like like Hawk Harrelson, the White Sox play-by-play guy, like people call him, you know, a homer and all that stuff. Like I listen to a guy like Hawk and I laugh because when he gets angry or whatever, I just think it's so funny. So like, I don't, I can't hate him. I just, it's hysterical to me to listen to him. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I could say I'm really trying to rack my brain here, but there's not one person I can think of where, you know, if, if I see they're doing the game, I'll, uh, I'll mute the TV or, you know, stuff like that. Well, let me, let me, let's see if I can give you a couple of suggestions and, and try to jog your memory a little bit. Um, I'm not really sure if this counts as a commentator, but I will say it counts as an analyst because he is on a commentary team. I cannot stand the analysis of Alex Rodriguez. I just feel like he is so biased. I feel like he shows a lot of favoritism towards certain players. Nolan Arenado, for example, it seems like whenever Arenado's on the screen, he's praising him, talking about how last June he went and worked out with him for 30 minutes and he got a good pump in, throwing a ball around the field. It's like, A-Rod, no one cares. You pump something else inside of you to get all those home runs. 
And I just feel like he's just a little, you know, he comes off a little, a little too, too. He, he tries to force his experience in the MLB to the viewers at home. And it just doesn't seem natural. Like it's just not really his forte. Um, I know, I know other people at the station would agree with me, but let, I mean, your guys' thoughts on something like that, or even a Jeff Van Gundy, I wasn't really, uh, uh, maybe it was just growing up. Okay. Hey. All right. Here's the thing. Um, now you're kind of jogging my memory. I hate when Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy are together. I just think those two are like, like they are too old school. <clears throat> like the mean? first, the first game after the Rockets traded Capella, they were like, this is bad for the game. Why are they doing something? It's like, who cares? All right. I think it's good for the game because first of all, like, it's not like they're playing with five guards and losing every game by 30 points. It's like they were better without Capella than they were before. So like, I don't really get like that whole old school mentality. And I I think when, even when Zion was playing, they were kind of like, Oh, he looks out of shape and like that kind of crap. And it's like, dude, he just was his third game back and he looked amazing. (laughs) So, like, I, I'm not a big fan of either of them. Also, like, Mark Jackson, everything that happened – and this is not really related to him being a commentator, but, like, everything he did in Golden State, it's just, like, a big SMH. Because, like, literally the same team the year after won the championship and looked incredibly good, and all it took was a coaching change. The rest of the team was pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah, and – you bring up analysts. There's a lot more analysts, I think, that I don't like. Like, uh, like Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson. I, you know, they don't do anything for me. Dick, uh, Dickie V. I, again, I could take him or leave him. I don't think he's that good. He's he's lost his fastball. But uh, you know, Abbas, you mentioned Mark Jackson. How about Steve Kerr as an analyst? I thought he was uh, fantastic on the NBA. And uh, even when he would do the NCAA tournament, I thought Steve Kerr was a great analyst. And honestly, when I heard that he got the Warriors job, I was a little sad because I was like, oh, you know, I'm not going to hear him on TV doing the games anymore. So Steve Kerr, he was very, very good. Yeah, I, I really liked him when he was on Inside the NBA for a stretch there. I remember growing up, you know, I think it was just after that Laker run, um, he was, you know, with Chuck and Ernie and Shaq wasn't there yet. He was still in probably Boston or something, but um, I thought he was great. And that kind of brings me to Tony Romo. I mean, was anybody really expecting him to be such a good analyst or yeah, am I thinking of Tony? Yeah, Tony Romo. I mean, he just, he's an analyst and he has the, he's the highest paid analyst on television right now because it just seems like his, he's completely the opposite of what A-Rod is. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem forced. You can tell that Romo has that knowledge for the game, and he's trying to just walk the walk the audience along to kind of show them that this is inside the play given to you from the perspective of someone that played and that has seen it and that has lived through it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't really have anything negative to say about Steve Kerr, but Abbas, I'm kind of interested to hear about your opinion. Um, man, I can barely remember Steve Kerr as like a as like a commentator. I feel like all my memories of Steve Kerr are like as a head coach, um, and then like as a player. Obviously, as we've been seeing all these like 
older tapes and Last Dance and whatnot. Like, I don't really, I don't really have much of an opinion on Steve Kerr as like a commentator. I will say I did like, I do like Romo a lot. I think he's, he kind of gets passionate too, which I like in, in in football announcers. I don't feel like we see enough of it, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I I assume the way Steve Kerr is, you would just assume he'd be good as a commentator as well, right? Good at anything he does. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> He's even good at golf. He played in the PGA Tour for like a couple of tournaments. Yeah, isn't that insane? Wow. He's like an under-scratch golfer. He's like supposed to be really good. But um, the, a quick question for the both of you guys. I'm kind of interested to hear this. I'll give my opinion after, but are there any former athletes that you think would be good on television that you'd like to see as a commentator or as an analyst that you know maybe isn't there yet but eventually could have been or could be? Peyton Manning. Okay, go ahead. Go I I think I think ESPN has been trying to get him in the Monday Night Football booth. I mean, I don't know if if he'll ever go there or if he'll ever get any job. I think Peyton Manning would be fantastic. You know, he's he's doing all. You know, he's you know uh, what you call. It? He's he's hanging out with Brad Paisley, selling insurance. He's all over uh, commercials and stuff like that. He's hosted, uh, you know, SNL, things like that. So he's kind of, you know, oh, and he did the, uh, what was it called? The the golf thing. I forget what they call it, but, you know, him, Tiger, Tom, and Phil. Like, you see his personality. Like, he's able to joke around. But then also he's, you know, top five quarterback of all time. And I think he would he would be able to do, like, what Tony Romo does, um, you know, maybe even to a higher level with, the, you know, diagnosing the plays uh, in – telling people you know what's uh what to expect what plays coming next i think peyton manning would be a a slam dunk home run touchdown throwing a football reference uh if he ever becomes an analyst someplace i kind of hate peyton manning <laughs> oh. <laughs> i kind of hate peyton manning I, I don't really know if i want to see him in a booth First of all, because then you have to see that forehead all the time. Oh, my God. Um, I'm like, dude, I just don't like Peyton Manning. <laughs> I've just never – I've never really liked him, and, like, I don't think I would like him. I will say – oh, sorry, go ahead. I find him really questionable. Um, I will say that Peyton Manning does have a good personality. I feel like he's really funny, but I feel like – I don't think that an actual, like, a Monday Night Football booth, that setting is, like, you know, you have to be professional. You kind of have to be serious. You have to analyze plays and kind of, you know, like I said with um, with Romo, you know, you kind of have to have that enthusiasm to talk football. And, and I feel like all of the things that you said, like the nationwide commercials, hosting the SBs, hosting SNL, the Tiger thing, you know, those are all settings where he's not talking about football. He's just showing the, the, the personality side of him. And, you know, it'd be kind of interesting, you know, if they, if they do give him a shot. But um, that's kind of interesting. How, how would Peyton Manning handle the booth? That is true. And you bring up uh, some good points, Rudy, because, you know, not every former player, you know, can transition to being an, uh, an analyst. You know, like I feel like everyone thinks, you know, oh, this guy played, you know, they'll be – uh, a 100% lock to be a good analyst, but it's not, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but I think, I think if you gave Peyton the chance, I think he would be good. Maybe not right away. Maybe it takes, uh, 
some time for him to get into a groove or something like that. Uh, but I think it, it would be worth a shot if I was, you know, a network executive and I had to hire someone. I I would take a shot at Peyton Manning. You know, he could turn out like uh... – who was that Strahan where he kind of sucked on, on NFL on Fox for a little while, but his, the personality side of him kind of started to peak a little bit. And then they put him on uh, morning television and all that stuff. And then he, yeah, yeah, he's everywhere. yeah, but you know, he was, you know, he is a hall of fame player, but you know, he didn't really necessarily stand out to me as a kid, but you know, I know him more as the analyst slash television guy, as opposed to his playing career which I'm sure Peyton Manning could be for the next generation of football kids growing up that didn't get to watch him. Right, yeah. How about you? Any players that you think former players could be basketball, football, just kind of throwing it out there? Um, I know C.J. McCollum is like – I mean, I know he's done a lot of, like, journalism-related stuff. So when he retires, I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up in the media in some way. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't end up as like as you know either like an an analyst or or like a on like a, on a commentating team, um, and I think he'd be really good. Uh, somebody else who like if he doesn't go into coaching, I'd love to see Rajon Rondo in the booth. I think that would be really entertaining. Rondo, wow. Yeah, I think Rondo would be really entertaining. It'd be a good way to like – also, it'd be funny because I feel like Rondo would be really sensible. And if you put him with Paul Pierce, oh, I think it'd be hilarious because Paul Pierce doesn't stop saying stupid crap. And it would be fun to see those two, like, if not butt heads, but at least work off each other. That 2008 Celtics team needs a reality show 10, <laughs> 15 years later. You have Paul Pierce, the – ridiculously out of his mind analyst Rajon Rondo the guy chasing another ring that's broken his finger and then Ray Allen the guy that just hates everyone hates everyone on that team oh and Garnett oh my god that guy's a that guy's does he still have that area 21 show on on TNT because I remember a couple times it was pretty funny like he had, uh, he had Nate Robinson on, and there was like the back and forth between between Barkley and Robinson, and, and Barkley and Garnett. Like, any way you can get Garnett involved with like the inside the NBA crew is always hilarious. The cuff button. They're just such good. They're just such good trash talkers. I got a question for both of you guys. Maybe more so Rudy, because I don't know how much hockey you watch, a boss. But I'm interested, Rudy, and maybe it's just a little bit of my Chicago bias, but I think uh, Doc, Doc Emmerich, and Eddie Olchek, I think they're up there. If you ranked, like, uh, a play-by-play in color booth, I think they're definitely in the uh, top five for, uh, you know, NFL, NBA, NHL, any sport. Do you, do you feel as strongly as that as I do? Yeah, hundred percent. Doc Emmerich's actually on my on my list. Um, for yeah, for he's commentators. he he he's fantastic too. He's so good. Yeah, I mean he's awesome. And like and you know, the thing is, is that you know you could have a good commentator, but I feel like what really ties it all together is the chemistry between the both of them. Right? Is like that conversation base where they're calling a game, but at the same time they might have like these little side conversations that kind of make you feel a little more comfortable watching the game. And I feel like Eddie and Doc are just. I'm sorry, Eddie and Doc. No, yeah. 
Um, they're just such a huge duo that have been such a big part of my childhood, especially watching those Hawks runs, those Kings runs. Um, they are awesome. I really do like them. So I, yes, Kans, I do agree, but uh, I think my LA bias sways me back towards Bob Miller a little bit more. And so what I, about, what about uh, with the NHL, uh, Pierre Maguire? Do you like him? You see, I, I, it's funny. It's, it's actually kind of a funny story. It, when I was here, my senior year, the all-star game was in LA and I went over because I used to collect autographs and stuff. As you can see, some of them are on my wall. Uh, bad podcasting. Um, and uh, I was at the hotel where all the players were at because I was there with my family. And it was, you know, that's all like L.A. Live is just one big area with hotels and restaurants and then the, the arena. Um, and I told my dad, I was like, if I see Pierre Maguire, I'm going to tell him to his face that I don't like him. <laughs> and of course, not even five minutes later, guess who walks out of the out of the hotel? Pierre Maguire. Oh my god! And as someone that really likes play by play, um, you know, I I kind of saw him, and I'm like, there's no way that this is a real person. He looks like the Penguin from Batman. He really does. And so I told him, I'm like, hey man, and I stop and I said. <laughs> big fan can i get a picture with you <laughs> and uh that was my experience with pierre mcguire <laughs> oh that that's hilarious i i know i i you know i don't know what it was it was the energy in the air he, he pierre mcguired me what can i say <laughs> oh pierre because like i feel like a lot of people rip on him and i i mean i really know nothing about hockey but i know that doc and eddie are are the best so i kind of sometimes i'll just latch on with other people who who rip on pierre but i don't know enough to like actually think or, or actually have an opinion on if he's you know if he's good or bad really he, but, he's a good analyst he really is he knows what he's talking about the thing is that like every now and then he'll just say something that you're like god damn it pierre why did you have to say that and, like, he has this weird obsession with Sidney Crosby where it's, like, yeah, Sidney Crosby, he is so, so good. And, like, a moan will, like, like squeak out of his, out of his mouth. <laughs> like, <laughs> excuse me, Pierre, you're live on NBC. <laughs> Just contain yourself until you get back to the hotel. Anyways, I, I know the two of you have lists. I don't have a list. But why don't you guys read those really quickly? We've been, we've been going for a good while here. Cans, you're our guest. Please go ahead. All right. So I actually made this a while back, but uh, I think it still holds true. So I just the top four play by play guys I made, and I went national too. Uh, for everyone listening, you know, obviously I could fill this whole list with like Chicago guys. You know, Len Casper, Pat Hughes, the list goes on and on. But I I just went with national guys for me. Uh, number one, we obviously we already mentioned uh, him, but Joe Buck. Mm-hmm. Number two, I have Jim Nance. Number three, I have Mike Breen. Uh, and number four, this one may be a little wild card for you guys, but I have Gus Johnson. Okay. Okay. Um, That's my, and honor, honor, honorable mention 
uh, to Mike Tirico. Yeah. Um, my list is similar but different. Um, on my hate list, I have Jeff Van Gundy. But on my like list, I actually have Mark Jackson. I He is old school, but I do kind of find him entertaining. I, he might not be the best analyst slash commentator, but there's something about his, his commentary that for me is very nostalgic, so to speak. Um, for hockey, I did, for the listeners, I did one on each sport. So he's my basketball one. I know I could have picked so many others, but I just kind of went with the one that resonated with me. Um, for hockey, I went with Doc Emmerich. Uh, for baseball, I went with Vince Scully. Sorry, hometown guy. Um, I have the trio, the LA, the LA Trinity of commentary. I have Bob Miller, who's our hockey guy. Uh, Vince Scully, who's obviously our Dodger guy. And then Chick Hearn, God bless his soul, uh, who passed away. He was the Laker commentator. I also have Jim Nance on my list. And Jim Nance... Nobody could see it, but he holds a very special place in my heart because he was the commentator for Tiger Woods' Masters victory. Shout out, Tiger. I miss you. I pray to him every night. Um, and then last but not least, uh, my all-time favorite commentator on God's Green Earth is uh, the guy that, you know, got me into commentary, and he's the reason why I'm still doing what I do. He is, quite honestly, the man, Hustle Award winner, Radio to Paul Sports' very own Nick Kansanary <laughs> cracked that top five. <laughs> I was wondering who were you who you were gonna say. <laughs> what can I say, guys? He is quite frankly the man. Well, thank you. I I never knew how big of an inspiration I was, but you know, <laughs> hey, I'm happy. If you ever need any, you know, any advice, any any tips, you know, let me know. Uh, I'm think- always here. Yeah, you know, Rudy was too nervous to ask you, but um, he really wants an autograph. Yeah, you know. So, so if you can just like sign something and send it to him, I think he'd be really happy with that. My life peaked when we commentated that that the Paul basketball game. I have a special frame; it's waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> Didn't they lose that they, game by like thirty or forty or something? Uh, eight by ten. Uh, but I, I have a I have a canvas. It's supposed to take up the size of my wall. It's a picture of us doing commentary. But um, I mean, I mean, think about it. Some of the most classic calls of all time. <laughs> the door, or that was slammed harder than the door at Kelly's. That's just top notch commentary. I, I was I was honestly I was thinking about that the other day. I don't know why, but I was just like. <laughs> What it what just a weird thing for for someone to say on air. I mean, it was relevant because you know the door at Kelly's had just been broken, but <laughs> I don't know. It just popped into my head. Hey, what what was it? It was a Jalen Butts block, and uh, a boss. I've said it a million times. I took off my headset, and I covered the mic, and I prayed to God that I don't know who was doing uh, engineering. Was it Natalie or Gina? Um, I, covered I think it was the- Charlie that night. No, it wasn't. That was in the studio. Was it? Yeah, yeah. because I drove y'all. Anyways, say say your story. Sorry. Covered the mic and I prayed to God that nothing got picked up on my end. Um, but you could probably hear me just squealing in laughter while Kansas trying to regather himself. <laughs> 
just on the fly. That's just his, that's just how good he is, is that when the environment is tough and his commentator is just dying on the floor, he can still provide you that analyst work. Also, honorable mention, uh, uh, JR from WWE, easily a, <laughs> the best of all time. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're right. Um, so I don't really have a list, but I'm just going to rattle off a couple who I'm big fans of. Doris Burke is great. Um, I love the now former Portland duo, Kevin Calabro and Lamar Hurd. Calabro is, is stepping away. He used to be like the supersonics guy. He used to be on national TV a bit, but uh, I think he's out. So I have, I have no idea what Portland's going to do. Obviously, I love Stacey King. Um, sad to see Neil Fung go, but I think Adam Amin's going to be really good uh, for the Bulls. Uh, hopefully, they have a good team to commentate for. Um, uh, I talked about the Nets, the Nets team. Um, there's one other one that I was thinking of, but I can't remember right now. Oh, um, Miami's crew, the Heat's crew. I don't remember the names, but I love that that duo is really entertaining too. There are a ton of like really good NBA ones. Um, I think the NBA ones are always really good um, for the most part, except for like, I'm not a big fan of the Warriors ones. Not a big fan of the Warriors commentators. They seem, they're just like not that entertaining. It might also be, like I said at the beginning, my bias, because every time I would listen to them, it'd be the Warriors destroying whoever they're playing. And then you're just like, I don't want to hear this hometown bias crap. I'm done. So so I think that always got in the way. But um, like I said, baseball, I never really notice. And, and football, I'm pretty negative on most of them. But anyways, um, I think we still have a little bit of time and you know I wanted to try something out um we had some other stuff on the docket uh but um I kind of want to see how this goes so no no ABC podcast this week uh I think we're going to be doing two next week so I still have some questions written up oh it's I've, trivia I've got six questions Ooh. written up and oh, no. Rudy I know you idolize Nick Cannes, so now I want to see if you can put up a couple points on Nick Cannes. Ah, so now the student must become the master. All right, let's do it. Come on. All right. um, Wait, what's the topic? You are the uh, defending champion of of every Radio to Paul sports game. Well, um, not not that one time, though. Got to give Bear his credit. That's true. That's true. He did beat well, me that one time. In terms of all-time record, you're better than anyone. So, <sighs> odds or evens? Let's see. It's 9.51. So, I'll go odd. Uh, it's uh, even. So, oh. uh, Rudy, do you want to go first or do you want to defer? I've got six questions. I would like to defer. Put the pressure on the man. All right, Nick Kent, your choice. What kind, of what kind of questions are we talking? I'm kind of getting thrown in the fire. So the theme for, for the questions for this week, it was going to be um, scrubs and bench warmers. God damn it. So everybody on this list, um, NBA, NFL, and, and MLB, they are um, not stars, but they aren't busts. So 
Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't say they're bus, but um, it's not. You're not going to see like a Darko here. Okay. Uh, it'll be people who either were here for a while or just sucked. <laughs> if, this, if you know or, what I mean. Okay, we'll we'll just see. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'm glad I deferred. <laughs> All right. Uh, so honestly, I think this the first one's kind of easy, but it, let's see. Man. So this uh, Nick Hans, this former champion is now a laughing stock among amongst players. He has been called a sellout and a sucker by two current NBA players, and is mocked by fans relentlessly. This his mediocre NBA career has been followed by an even worse TV career. Name this former Pelican. Ooh. Would you repeat the question, please? Sure. This former champion is now a laughingstock amongst players. He has been called a sellout and a sucker by two current NBA players and is mocked by fans relentlessly. His mediocre NBA career has been followed by an even worse TV career. Name this former Pelican. Oh, man. Former Pelican. Pelican. Now, are we talking, was he like, was he ever part of the Hornets or was he only a Pelican? Pelican. Pelican. Oh, oh man. <clears throat> Five seconds, Kenneth. Oh, jeez. Not a good start, but um, David West. No. Uh, Rudy, do you David want to – uh, Oh, man. No penalty for uh, for guessing. For the steal. Uh, no penalty? Yeah, so go go for the steal, basically. Can you repeat the question one more time? Sure. I, I, I kind of need to, to just kind of think it through. So this former champion is now a laughing stock amongst players. He has been called, quote, a sellout and, quote, a sucker by two current NBA players and is mocked by fans relentlessly. His mediocre NBA career has been followed by an even worse TV career. Name this former Pelican. Are we allowed to ask like questions like more in depth, like like just to kind of get an uh, no? No. I was gonna ask if he was like if he was doing television for Pelicans or if he was doing national television. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's a free guess. I don't. I was going to say David West. I really swore it was David West. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to guess. I, I can't think of anything. Go ahead. What was the answer? Uh, it was Kendrick Perkins. Oh. oh. I thought Pelican. that one was there. Sorry. Now rereading it, it's kind of kind of tough. You, yeah. Ooh. That's actually, actually a good question. By yeah. KD. And Wilson Chandler called him a sucker when he was uh, saying something about Kyrie being misled or something. I don't know. Damn. But anyways. Shout out Wilson Chandler. Yeah, shout out Wilson Chandler, former DePaul basketball player. 
and the last DePaul basketball player to be selected in the first round. That'll change this year. Um, yep. Anyways, uh, question number two uh, for Rudy. Cans will know this. Oh. This this former Kentucky guard was ranked as the number one point guard in the nation in 2011. Drafted towards the end of the 2012 draft, he lasted two years in the big leagues before bouncing around the G League and international ball before finding his way to the Memphis Hustle. Name this guard. Uh, 2011 Kentucky guard. I really wish I knew more about basketball. I can't. I this is this is just too out of my payroll, man. Um, man, bounced around international. I don't know. For some reason, I, this is not my answer. When you started talking about international ball, he started bouncing around the G League. My initial—I know he played at BYU. My initial guess was Fredette, because that's the kind of that's the kind of player that I'm looking for. Um, I don't know, man. Cans, who is it? Uh, have have you? Well, come on, you know, throw out a guess, throw out a name. Dude, Kentucky. I don't. I, I I didn't watch college ball in 2011. I watched the Kings win Stanley Cups, and the Lakers lose to the Thunder. Um. I don't know. I really can't think of anyone on that 2011 team. I can't. I genuinely can't. Right. Well, I uh, I do know it. I believe we talked about him on the ABC podcast when we, when we were talking about bull scrubs. But it is one uh, Marquise Teague. Correct. How on God's that, earth am I going to get that? In, in Rudy's defense, this question was absolutely made for, for Bear and Cans. That is because yeah, I, I swear we were this talking. This one they would know for sure. Yeah, but that Kentucky team in 2012, oh my god, that team they were really good. That they were really good. Well, I mean, all five of their starters got drafted. Yeah, in, in yeah. 2012, I think all five of them, because even like uh, there were there were two guys who scrubbed out, who also got drafted. And I think one of them in the first round, one in the second. So it, it was a good draft for sure. Um, it's Rudy. It's the next one's for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Is up. <clears throat> right. Uh, it's another, another one I think should be difficult. Um, all right. This uh, can, uh, cans, right? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this former Mav center joined the NBA at the ripe age of 29. He is the first Tunisian player to make it to the NBA. His most infamous moment is when he was called for a double technical and ejected. After his ejection, coach Rick Carlisle shouted at him saying, you got two bleeping points. Get the bleep out of here. He is now with Real Madrid. Name this big man. Oh, man. Okay. Just pulling out the information from the question. We got Mavericks, double technical, 29, big man, Tunisia, you said. Um, First Tunisian player to make it to the the NBA. First Tunisian player. 
You played on the Mavs. I feel like I actually think I know this one, but I might butcher up the his name. I don't remember his name. <laughs> I I feel like once I hear it, I'll remember it. Yeah. Oh, but you know this one too. Not a not a particularly good start for cans here. Yeah, I'll take some of the blame for this I'm one. I'm gonna get Noah Boss. Look, these are fun. these are good. They're tough questions. I should be better. All uh, right, Cam, five seconds. Uh, Ronnie Turioff. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I make scrub bench warmer questions, I'll include Ronnie Turioff. <laughs> Rudy, I actually, I actually do think I know this one. I genuinely do think I know this one. I didn't want to say it while Kans was guessing, but doesn't this guy only have like one name? He's like Kaka. He's like he's like one. He only he only went by one name. Like Yao, he went by Yao. I'm gonna butcher up his name. I thought it started with no. I thought it started with like an M. Or like a W, something stupid. It was like Majit or Maljrit. That's my guess. If I butchered up the name, I apologize. Like Majrit or Maljit, something like that. I did not curse. That was his name. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you should get this point. It, it's Salah Mezri. Um, So I kind of oh. think you know who you're talking about. I don't know. I I think you kind of big man. Um, what, little, what gave it away was twenty nine year old rookie. Twenty nine year old rookie is what gave it away, and that's what I was like. Yeah, Dallas guy. I didn't know he was from. I knew he was like European, but he was he was like a. I'm gonna picture him. He was a. He was kind of like a tanner guy. He had really short hair. He was. He was he for twenty nine. He didn't look super old. Okay, I yeah, I think I think you know who it is. I don't know. I does this warrant a point, Cans? How how would that, Bear play this? Uh, I don't know how Bear would play, but you know, I, that's a point. Yeah, you can give it to him because right. the, I mean, the fact that you even had like an idea of the guy's name. That's. Yeah. That's good enough. I mean, I was I was just completely lost. I don't know. Hey, Derek Jeter, uh, Jif, hat tip to you for knowing that. <laughs> and That's and you know that that, right. that is a tough one too. Solid yeah. mastery. I don't think who who, who knows. And and your your description of him was really accurate. But anyways, moving on. Um, Rudy, it's your turn. Oh no. Uh, so one to one tied up. Yes. So uh, here we go. This former MLB player helped set a benchmark for mediocrity for the league moving forward. A very popular saying or term is named after him to help determine if an MLB player is a borderline rosterable offensive player. Oh, man. Damn. Yeah, the way you were describing that question, I thought it was going to be uh... – What's his name? He recently passed away too. The guy that uh, let the, Buckner. I thought you were at that. The way you phrased that question, because because constantly making mistakes, borderline. Oh no, 
because there's a word for every time a ball goes through the legs, it's like, oh, you Bucknered it. So that, that was my initial – that's who I thought you were going with. Uh, staple mediocrity, MLB player. Did he bounce in and out of the league? Am I allowed to ask that question? Just what's given. <laughs> Just no. what's given. Can you give it to me one more time, please? Sure. Uh, this former MLB player helped set a benchmark for mediocrity for the league moving forward. A very, a very popular saying or term is named after him to help determine if, if an MLB player is a borderline rosterable offensive player. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to say I, f- I have a feeling it's a Chicago player. I, I just feel like it's a Chicago player. Just because, like, the theme. Um, you can name the term, too. That's the thing is I can't name. I don't know the term. <laughs> I'm just going to throw a shout-out. Uh, shout-out into the wind. Um, hmm. Mediocrity, baseball, offensive player. All right, let's go. Let's get a name. Five yeah, seconds. I, don't know. I thought, I don't know. I'm just going to say Bucknerd. <laughs> that five hole. All right, Nick Cans. This one's tough. I, th- I, I think it is a Chicago player, a one time Chicago player. But I don't know for sure. But is it Adam Dunn? No, it's not. Um, it's oh. Mendoza line. The Mendoza. Oh, who? Mario Mendoza. Mario Mendoza. Yeah, sorry, that was that, that one's oh. pretty vague. No, nah, that's a good one though, because yeah, you hear all about the Mendoza line. Yeah, I know. I, right? I didn't know. I never knew he was an actual player. Oh, neither did I, man. Neither did I. I. Like, that's a good question. <laughs> it was just the research that that went behind it. I was like, oh wow, the Mendoza line's actually about a player. Yeah, the Mendoza he, he was, line. You know, this guy, Mario Mendoza, he was really good in, like, the Mexican leagues. Um, but offensively, just couldn't hang. He's, like, a, like he's an average – he's a career average of 215. So, that's where they came up with the Mendoza line, below or above the Mendoza line. That's – I like that. That's a good question. And, and, like, he was such a good defensive player that he still played for, like, 10 years in the MLB or, or 5 to 10 years or something. Uh, but anyways, anyways, uh, Cans, it's up. It's your turn, right? Yes. All right. Two more questions left, and you're tied one to one. There, there's no uh, tiebreaker. So. Oh no. Now or never. Now or never. Honestly, whoever gets it, if Cans gets it right, Rudy. There's you, two more. You said. Or? Yeah, two more questions. Two more. I only have six this time. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Here we go. This current NFL head coach played quarterback for 13 years. However, this bench warmer started only 20 games and threw for a startling 6,075 yards over the span of his career. He is, however, involved in one of the greatest playoff comebacks of all time, leading his team from a 35-3 deficit. Frank Reich. Dang, yeah, that's right. (laughs) There we go. I knew that. Yeah. I, I was thinking. 
<laughs> I was thinking Matt Nagy for a second. And really? You giving, and you were giving me his arena football stats. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the biggest – Easily the biggest flex <laughs> arena football stats. I'm going to do that at least once now. Uh, so, Rudy, here's your chance to tie it up. And right. Uh, this is going to be a tough one. Uh, this is going to be a tough one. All right. This former infielder played for seven teams between 1999 and 2012 with two stints with the Astros. This utility man, however, is famous for hitting a game-winning home run in the 14th inning of a World Series game, there is now a statue commemorating his achievement. Oh, no. There's a statue commemorating his... I'm trying to think. 14th inning. You're not going to tell me what year it was, huh? I'll tell you it was game three. <laughs> game three, 14th inning, statue, utility man. Infielder, right? Infielder. How many teams? Seven teams. I'm trying to think. It wasn't Dave Roberts. It wasn't. I don't think Dave Roberts hit a, but he played on so many damn teams. I'm trying to think. It's not it's not Suzuki or Ichiro. I it has to be like some I don't know. I know he didn't hit for the Astros. And for the Angels, was that 14th inning game? Yankees? Jacoby Ellsbury? No. No. Can't? Did you say what – you didn't say the year, right? No. No. Is that 14th inning game three? I thought thought 2004 – I think you might have been a year off, Rudy. Is it Jeff Blum? Yep. God damn it. That's why I didn't give the year. If I give the year. That was 2003, huh? Or was it four or five? Five. Yeah, for the White Sox. Sox. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I wish I had more. I felt like I really had that one, too. I really thought I thought it was Dave Roberts, but Dave Roberts was the steal. And there's a statue uh, of that at Fenway. What year? That was 2004 against the Yankees. Game okay. six, I think. Or game? No, was it Game five? Cans? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, my, yeah, four or five probably. I don't think it was six or seven. I think it was earlier. I just thought I just thought of the of, of a team that won the World Series around that span of years, and even if even if Jacoby Ellsbury was a stupid guess because two thousand four was the Red Sox, two thousand one was the Yankees, was it? Two thousand two was the Angels. Oh three was the Marlins. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's another one where it was like, it was absolutely made for, for bear versus cans. So we'll, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt for those two questions, but cans, you, you know, as is the norm, you won. So you get to, you get to talk about whatever you want and we're going to mute ourselves. So uh, 30 seconds, whatever you want to say, cans. Well, you know, uh, I really got nothing. So I'll just, you know, I'll thank Abbas and Rudy for letting me come on their show today. This was really fun. Uh, honestly, it was the highlight of my day because I did absolutely nothing else today. Um, and Rudy, you know, you were thrust into trivia. You know, uh, you did a good job, Abbas. Again, great questions. But, you know, it was, uh, it was a tough, tough game today. But, you know, a win is a win, however, however you come about it. Uh, so I can't complain there. Thank you, everyone. That's, I got, you know, short and sweet. I deserve 17 points for getting that question for a Tunisian player. We gave how you do I, how do I get that? How do I get that and not the, the walk-off home run question? That's just, that's just bad play on my part. I mean, have you heard of Jeff Bloom? Because I, I don't really know if, like, do people outside of Chicago know who he is? I know of the hit. Uh-huh. I but the thing is, is that like you give me the 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 year range that you gave me, and the amount of players that have like bounced around teams and that have made it that far, that's what threw me off. And the thing is, is like, yeah, I guess you know I probably should have thought of Bloom, but like, there were so many good teams around those years that hit walk off home runs, that hit memorable you know hits. But what really threw me off was the span of years, utility man, and infielder Mm -hmm. and my answer was none of those things I said Ellsbury who was an outfielder (laughs) who wasn't even in the World Series in 04 and uh, I don't know it's just a lot of pressure because you started telling me all right you need an answer I'm like damn the first person I thought of was Ellsbury yeah no that one that one like with the year it's easy but like um or at least easier I should say right if you give the year for a World Series thing and it's that big of a moment, you're gonna you have to get it really. You're gonna know. You're gonna yeah. Yeah. If you would have told me who cheated the Dodgers in 2017, I would have said the Houston Astros <laughs> or the Astros. But anyways, moving all right, forward. Rudy, wrap it up for us. We've been going for a long while. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's edition of. Uh, Boston Roots here on Radio DePaul Sports, your student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Didn't forget this time of boss. I apologize for missing it in the intro. Good catch. Special shout out and thank you to Nick Canzaroni, my favorite play-by-play announcer of all time and undefeated trivia winner uh, for coming on. I'm certain that we're going to have him again very, very soon because he is quite frankly the man. On behalf of a boss and on behalf of myself, thank you so much for listening to Boston Roots and we'll talk to you guys next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode.